Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at a clip from Bluebird. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Allison Wilmore from IndieWire, and tonight's guests, Lance Edmonds, Kyle Martin, Amy Morton, Louisa Krauss, and Emily Mead. Hi, guys. Uh, now, Bluebird, the, uh, the world premiere was last night. Were any of you able to be there? Um, if you haven't seen it yet, it's going to be playing three more times at the festival. But um, I thought maybe we could start off by, uh, Lance, you're just telling people a little bit about the film if they haven't had a chance to see it yet. Uh, sure. Um, Bluebird is an ensemble dramatic narrative film. It takes place in northern Maine in a logging town in the middle of winter um, in sort of a depressed uh, one, uh, mill town where the mill is closing. And, uh, and it follows the... Um, it follows two families uh, after a tragic event, um, which you saw here in this first clip. A, a young boy is found on a school bus, and uh, over, you know, he's been left overnight in the freezing cold. And it's about how that ripples through this small town and affects two different families. And it's about what they go through um, to uh, find their way back together again, um, essentially. Uh, now, you've worked as an editor before on uh, things like Tiny Furniture, Lena Dunham's film. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how this became your directorial debut? And Kyle, I would love for you to jump in on this as well, about how the project came together. Uh, I wrote the first draft of the screenplay in about, uh, about three years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, and I had been uh, editing for a long time and writing uh, for a long time and writing a lot of different things. And when this script was finished, it kind of felt right, and it felt like the right project to, to make as my first film. And uh, I showed it to Kyle before anyone, I think when it was just an outline, and, and he, was, he was like, yeah, we got to do this. And uh, I sort of rushed to get it done, and uh, it, so Kyle could use it as a submission to uh, the Sundance uh, Institute, has a, um, a lab program uh, for producers, and, and so Kyle uh, ended up bringing 
participating in that lab and bringing this project there uh, as, as part of his application. So that kind of kick-started us and made us have to turn it into a real movie. But he can probably talk a little more about that, too. Yeah, no, I, that, that, yeah. I mean, that's definitely accurate, true. Um, but I would also add that uh, Lance and I went to film school together. We both went to the undergraduate program at NYU. And, and um, there's sort of a group of our friends where we all tend to work together in different roles. Lance typically is an editor up to this point. Our friend Jody Lee Leips is a cinematographer. And I was tending to produce. And so we were going through a cycle of, of, of uh, making films. And sort of everyone got a different chance to direct. And this was basically Lance's first opportunity to move from the editor role to the writer-director thing, which he had, he had been doing all along anyway. So um, we'd made a couple of smaller films like Tiny Furniture and stuff like that that had helped segue and pave the road for the next project. And so Bluebird was just kind of the next thing up at that point. Amy, I was wondering if you could uh, tell us a little bit about this character. She has this completely horrific thing happen. It's maybe even more terrible for how mundane the circumstances are leading up to it. Uh, what was it like kind of approaching a character who has that happen to her? Um, it, you know, there was something about uh, the, the, the place where we shot it that was incredibly helpful in getting, uh, I think, getting everybody into their character. But what, I've, what I have found in my life is that the really tragic things happen in, a, in very mundane ways. And n nothing's ever announced. And not, not, some of the worst things that happen to you happen so quickly and so quietly. So that was one of the things that actually drew me to the project was um, that this, these types of tragedies are so incredibly random. So I, I thought that would be really interesting to explore as an actor. I know you've done a lot of work on the stage as well. Um, what was the process like in terms of, like just in terms of how different it might have been uh, working in film here? Film is film is weird <laughs> for me. I mean, I'm so I'm so much more used to the stage where you go from beginning to end and you get to do it more than once. Uh, so, anytime I make a mistake or think that was really bad, what I did, uh, I have another chance. You know, the next night, film you don't get that. So I rarely watch the things I'm in. Um, <coughs> but the great thing about film is the fact that you can be as small as you want, you, what you actually have to be as small as you can be, because otherwise it becomes um, very false. And so for me, that was a big challenge and something that I really wanted to tackle, because I don't get to do that as often as I do stage work. So, and Lance was great about making sure things kept very real and very small. So um, that's the difference, I guess. Louisa, can you tell us a little bit about the role? Uh, she's, she's a character who's kind of in this very difficult place. She's a bit lost, even in the beginning of the film. Yeah, um, Marla, I, I think, feels stuck. Uh, and she has this kid and that she kind of didn't have a choice, and she had the kid. And um, uh, Lance actually sent me like a playlist of songs, um, because in the film, I, I get to sing. Uh, some karaoke, and um, so that became Marla's playlist, and I think that also kind of, that was the very beginnings of the, um, just, uh, I don't know, uh, getting a sense of her, like, essence, music, um, 
And she's also had this passion for music that she couldn't pursue because she um, had a kid. Uh, but for her, I mean, for, I really feel for Marla as myself, you know? And so I think I was, I hopefully was able to like imbue her with, um, I don't know, hopefully people can feel for her to, like as I feel for her, because I just love her. I think she's dear. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but uh, I think, I think What's so great about this film is that um, she kind of has a slow like wake up and um, she uh, realizes that uh, you know because of this tragic accent accident um, it's like um, she she wakes up and realizes wow I haven't been there for Owen um, yeah but anyways it's it's like a slight it's very subtle but uh, it was it was uh, it was it was great it was a great trip uh, yeah. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she also she has to do some difficult things in the context of the movie but I felt you know you made her you understood exactly why she acted in these ways like was it like what was it like to kind of make these these decisions like, very define like sympathy in them and this real humanity in them right yeah I mean there's so many um, there she's really filled she's there's so much going on in her and she's really um, conflicted but isn't really facing any of the conflictions and is kind of like hiding behind a lot. Um, so there's so much going on inside and I guess I, I, I was able to tap into that. I mean, I, I came up with a, a, a history for her and um, it was actually amazing. I mean, the production designer sat down with all of us um, and we had a meeting and I, I was like telling her all this stuff that I had, I get like details about vacation Bible school and like teaching music and then and having a harmonica and I actually got to keep the harmonica that Imbal gave me. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, but yeah, I just think I don't know. And just in that environment, like it, like um, yeah, I, the environment um, too was really uh, helped with the just and and being around, being at the local bar and hanging out with the the Mainers. I mean, wow, that was amazing. There, it's it was like. Just to be in that place and like be exposed to such real people that you don't you're not even aware of you know it's it like it like it like pierces your core and I think that that shows up in all of us in the in the film. Um, Emily, you're playing a teenager here. Yeah. What was it like to kind of get back into that mindset, especially uh, you know having this thing happen to her family as, as yeah. the film goes? Yeah, on? it's funny uh, you say that actually because that was a huge. Basically, right before I saw the script, I was like telling everybody I'm officially done playing teenagers. I do not want to go back there. It is, wasn't fun the first time. It's not fun now. But um, there was something that was really kind of scary and challenging about it, but also like, you know, teenagers that I've played or that are usually portrayed are, you know, really rebellious and angry and rageful. And that's usually the time of detachment from your family or your life and through the process of detaching, you're usually really rebellious. But something about Paula that was sort of eerie and almost creepy to me in a really fascinating way was that she wasn't angry and it seemed as if, or I kind of discovered this as it went, but it seemed kind of like she had detached a very long time ago. And um, in the film, actually, it's, it's discussed that uh, Amy's character, uh, she fell in the ice when she was a little girl, Paula, and um, I, you know, I kind of cited that as maybe one of the moments of her sort of feeling unprotected or feeling uh, not taken care of, and 
possibly that was when she detached her. Who knows? And I feel like what really fascinates me about her relationship with her mother is there's almost, she's not angry and there's almost this sympathy or understanding and there's, you know, she's kind of in a house of strangers and, um, yeah, she's kind of, I don't know, I didn't see it necessarily, the way I justified it was not necessarily going back and playing a teenager, but sort of the personification of that, the true feeling of being lost, which is not even knowing what you want. Whereas most teenagers, I think, they want something else and they want to escape and they want to live this life that they're somehow being held back from. Whereas what's so scary and sort of sad about Bala is I don't think she has any idea what she wants. And I think she was not even taught how to want, sort of. And I think that's what's fascinating about this town is if you stay somewhere like that, you have to find a way to almost debilitate, debilitate yourself or cripple yourself to believe that this is all there is out there and to not escape and, you know, you kind of... And I, and I found that in the town that a lot of people were justified. Like, it's a, there's this very sort of uh, know-it-all attitude about a, m- a bunch of people as if they know that that's really, like dreaming is for suckers sort of thing so a teenager who you know teenagers are usually the most intense dreamers a teenager who's not really dream- I, I even think her relationship with the boy in it she's not necessarily even in lust or in love she just knows that that's what you're supposed to do and is sort of just going through the motions and yeah that <laughs> that was fascinating to me and that was something I didn't fully relate to which is what made it like I relate to the angry teenager but um it was really interesting to find that feeling of of lostness (laughs) Um, I would love to hear from all of you on this but maybe I should start with Lance Uh, I assume you grew up in Maine because I can't imagine that someone would kind of be like choose to in that weather that we see in the movie that's like brutal cold kind of like embrace that in their first film so could you tell me a little bit about how just the cold fits into the whole theme of the, the movie. And then I would love to hear from all of you about shooting in that cold. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I did uh, grow up in, in Maine and uh, not in the town we shot, but it's, it's definitely there's uh, a mythology there. And um, it was kind of the more mythic Maine that I was interested in exploring. Um, you know, the Maine of colossal pine trees and, and logging and, and sort of remote mill towns and this sort of epic deep winter that Maine is known for. Um, and uh, it's it's incredibly brutal in a way that I think winters in other parts of the country aren't. Um, and I thought, you know, it was an apt metaphor um, for what the characters were going through. and. Um, and so it was always set in winter, and the sort of starkness of winter um, very much was a character in the film in a lot of ways. Uh, the you know the the child is found, and he's he's in he he's in he's suffering from hypothermia, and the sense of um, being frozen. Um, you know, you're neither dead nor alive, and you're neither here nor there. And there's something about like not being able to move, being frozen. And I think all these characters are kind of suffering from. Uh, a metaphorical um, frozenness as well. Um, so the cold was definitely a big factor, and, and the place itself really inspired the story. Um, so uh, as a filmmaker, I find myself occasionally working backwards, um, being inspired by a place or by a feeling, and then coming up with a story that takes place there and gives me that same feeling uh, that I get from it. And 
that's really a, the genesis of Bluebird was very much a feeling of feeling, you know, it's beautiful there and it's serene and it's quiet and there's something about snow blanketing a landscape that dampens all the sound and there's something very calm about that. But it's also terrifying and it's lonely and it's and it's cold and it's there's something that's almost existential about about the terror and those two feelings were sort of two sides of the same coin and I thought it was a really interesting contradiction and I really wanted to make a film that felt that way that you where you really felt both of these things at once and um, so the story in a lot of ways was in service of a feeling uh, for me and um, yeah but Maine, Maine was very important and it was very cold and I'm sure they can talk about how cold it was it was very cold. <laughs> I live in Chicago, so I'm used to cold. But um, it, you know, shooting all those exteriors were just. There were some really brutal days, and they were. weren't they considering it a mild winter because they weren't getting Re much relatively, snow? Relatively, it, it was considered a relatively mild winter for them up there. They're, they were all like, "You think this is winter? It hasn't even happened yet." And we're like, "Okay." Yeah, it's it, winter's really pretty if you can watch it from your window. Um, but boy, oh boy, yeah, it was cold, and they're therefore incredibly helpful. There wasn't a lot of acting going on when we were outside. There really wasn't. It was just say the words so you can stop filming. <laughs> My own personal opinion. Thank you very much. Yes, lots of uh, lots of hand warmers and foot warmers. Um, I would, every day to set, I would wear small, my own little uh, SpongeBob SquarePants socks, but they were like really thin, so I would like pack the, my, my uh, boots with um, little uh, feet warmers, it was great. Um, yeah, yeah, and the place we stayed was amazing. I mean, there was like, there was a gazebo and AstroTurf and a pool in the lobby. Like they were trying to make it like it was, you know, there was like, you know, spring happening on the inside, in the inside of this lobby. It was wild. Um, yeah, it was, it was like being in a foreign land. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, obviously it was very cold, which was awful. And I thought that would be <laughs> the worst part, or not the worst, sorry, the most challenging part. <laughs> but I'd say I think the uh, isolation was actually what uh, was a very interesting and transformative experience in, um, like you're saying, the place we stayed had a gazebo, but it did not have food. Like a restaurant didn't have a bar. It didn't have really any outlet uh, at all. Um, the only, you, there was no like even sidewalks to walk on near the hotel. And I don't have a driver's license, so I didn't drive. Um, and the only place I could walk to was Dunkin' Donuts. And during filming, I actually, I think I was mocked for this, that I was probably there the longest and had the most amount of time off while being there. So I'd have about like five days that I literally could not leave this hotel. <laughs> and um, you definitely face a lot of your demons and you can't rely, you know, you realize how many patterns and, and how much you rely on to sort of escape your own thoughts and whether it's going down to the bar for a drink or going for a walk and to not be able to rely on any of that and literally just have to sit and think. I don't even think there was like good cable on the TV. Um, it's a really scary and, and difficult experience, but I think you leave feeling much lighter, sort of, and a little maybe more capable of coping with things. So that was cool. <laughs>
Um, I want to leave enough time for questions from the crowd. So um, if anyone has any questions for these lovely people. Um, my question is for Lance. Um, what would you say to like aspiring directors and screenwriters now? Like you're in this position, like what would you say to them to, you know, further in the future maybe be where you are? Well, I think, I guess the one thing I always reiterate is, is the friends that I made this film with, um, they, you know, they really made this happen and it was really a group of us um, who have been making films together for a long time. Um, I've known Kyle for 10 years, I knew our DP for 10 years, our production designer, our, even our sound mixer is someone I've known, you know, for a, such a long time and, 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 you know, learned about filmmaking with going to movies together for all these years. It, I, I think finding, if you, if you can find a group of people who share your vision, who share your taste in film, um, and I think that that is a really, you know, that's, that's something that you can really get a lot out of um, because that's, there's just so much you can draw from uh, in a group. And uh, I, I guess I encourage people to sort of, if you can find someone who, who you can work well with, like never let that person go, you know. Do, do everything you can with them and, and share things and make things together uh, because this was really kind of a group effort, this film, in a lot of ways. It, was, it wasn't just me and a script and who's going to help me do this. It was like I really felt supported uh, by a large group of people, and then I never could have done it without them. So, I've, uh, you know, I think that's what, what I would say. I don't know, Kyle? Yeah, no, I, I would just say that I think the underlying idea to that is that it's really hard to make a movie, and that's why you need people, partners that you can trust and rely on both professionally and artistically. Um, because there's just so much that needs to happen in order to do something really well. So I also think that it's just be like it, it requires a lot of hard work, which I think um, in this industry is not always present. So I think most people want to emulate the outcome but don't want to emulate the process. And that's I think a lot of people just need to uh, yeah, just dig in and just start making films and, and don't stop. I think that's also a big lesson. Do you have another question? Um, this question is also for Lance. Um, I just want to know who is your inspiration as a filmmaker? Oh, uh, so many. I mean, I'm, you know, a big cinephile and I love movies. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> obviously, I mean, but I really consume a lot of film. I think, for me, it wasn't necessarily uh, one filmmaker or, or one thing when I was making this, for me, it's really a project to project kind of inspiration, like, you know, different projects I draw, different influences. Um, for this film, I think I was really thinking a lot about films like Paris, Texas, and Tender Mercies, Five Easy Pieces, Silkwood, you know, kind of these American, uh, very like sensitive American films about, you know, working class people and done with, uh, a level of artistry and attention to detail and imagery because um, I'm a very visual driv visually driven uh, filmmaker and I really respond to um, filmmakers who kind of start almost image first uh, as our way into into these worlds and uh, and so I was you know watching a lot of film and and, and trying to approach uh, this in a similar way and the tapestry was you know I, I'm a huge Robert Altman fan so the kind of the tapestry in the world uh, very much 
uh, found the way into, into the screenplay in terms of the way the different characters and the stories kind of uh, braid together. Um, you know, so he was a big influence and, and it, it, the list goes on and on. I, I can never really point to one person so much as just a, a lifetime of, of consuming uh, cinema and, and letting it sink into my bones and become a part of what I do. Hi, where did you um, um, get the idea for the story? Where did it germinate? Is it something that really happened in your life, people you know, um, and how long did it take to write the whole script and get everything together? Um, the, like I said, the, this feeling is sort of where I started, um, and then the incident with the child um, was drawn from a few different places. Uh, it's it's not uh, based on any specific uh, true story. It's not sort of ripped from the headlines, but it's kind of an amalgam of different uh, different incidences that um, I thought were an interesting combination. Um, the sort of uh, the the main event was something that uh, I remember when I was a little kid. My brother. Uh, was one day, you know, I was with him taking the school bus home, and and I got off, and he didn't, and he ended up, you know, f you know, he was asleep, and he ended up found uh, back uh, in the in the bus yard a few hours later, and I just I remembered that incident as a kid feeling uh, like it was somehow my fault that I didn't that I ignored him, that I didn't you know wake him up and bring him off the bus with me, and um, it's just one of those things. It's a it's a very small bit of negligence I feel like and, and, and in that case it, you know things turned out fine you know and and I thought you know what if what if they didn't you know what if there wasn't you know a supportive uh, parent you know or, or someone to ask questions uh, you know these things that fall through the cracks um, just small things day to day little ripples in 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 coincidence uh, can have these massive impacts and uh, I thought that this was a really interesting um, event and also metaphorically with the film the idea of being frozen and trapped uh, was very much um, thematically relevant to the story I wanted to tell and to the feeling I wanted the film to have so you know that that's kind of how that came together and it, and, it, and it was you know it's a process and I think writing took a very long time uh, writing for me is incredibly painful and slow and and you know it's really 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 difficult it's probably the hardest part of the whole process is writing um, but I think I was writing on set, you know, I was writing on set, and then the, the script never really, uh, was like done and, and, you know, off to the, to the printer. I mean, there was constant, it was a constant evolution. And then when we got there and, and I actually got to sit down and do rehearsals, like things were crossed out and moved around and the end of the film, even during shooting shifted because, you know, emotionally things were evolving. So I, it, it was, it, I can't really say, it, I'd say the, the script took as long to write as it took to make the film. So it was, you know, it was a three-year evolution. Any other questions? Uh, hi. So Lance, you're from a town sort of like this, and Louisa, you sort of already addressed it. But for Amy and Emily, I guess my question is, going up to this small town in Maine, almost anthropologically, how aware was everybody in the town that you were making this movie and in hanging out with the town and sort of figuring out what the landscape was? Do you think your presence sort of affected how they acted? I mean, what was the background research like on your part? Um, I, 
meeting the town pe people was, it was incredibly important for me. Um, you know, I had to learn to drive a school bus, so I got to meet the school bus driver, and she's, she was probably about 65 or so, and, and had been driving a bus forever and took her job very seriously, and she was really helpful, just in, like, the way she moved and the way she talked, and then I met another woman who was also incredibly helpful at the bar when we all went to the bar. And, you know, it's, it's a town that's lost 3,000 people uh, because of the recession. Um, so that uh, roughly half of their population. And you see it when you go down the one main street, I would say probably about 85% of the businesses were shut down. So it was an incredibly depressed town. Um, and the people were really lovely. They were really, really lovely to us. Uh, so, I, I don't know, I, I found them all really helpful and really pretty great. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were very aware of us because there's not many of them, so we probably doubled the population while we were there. But, um, yeah, I agree. I, I did, I was, I was really seeking out people, more teenage people, um, which was harder to find because where do you, they're in school or I couldn't really find them. But um, I did, you know, meet younger people or kind of put together pieces and try to be creative with that. But yeah, they were all really helpful and just speaking to them is fascinating. And I mean, yeah, I've been to other small towns and, you know, in other situations like that, but it is always uh, interesting to, speak to people when you are there with a film and yeah there is there the reaction is very welcoming and but also it's almost as if they are less affected than somewhere where that is the focus and they it's like i mean they knew you know they were like that's cool but they they, they were still able to speak as normal people and i don't think they were just hanging around us because they wanted to be around uh people in a movie, they just saw us as humans, where I feel like in other places, not to name specific places per se, but it, it is way more, there's more of an obsession with Hollywood. They didn't, I don't even know if they like knew necessarily all the things that were going on in tabloids. I mean, I'm sure many of them did, but um, I think they just appreciated us being there, but it wasn't so much about the concept of us being in a movie, if that makes sense. They also, I think, were really happy that we were there spending money. Quite frankly, I mean, you know, it was it it was a very um, symbiotic relationship that way. I think they gave us they gave us a lot of they gave us everything, a a anything and everything we asked for. Uh, you know, they were there and they were incredibly generous. I mean, that you know, that's the real hospital that we shot in, shot in the real police station. You know, that's <clears throat> you know the chief's desk. You know, we we asked do we do. They were incredibly supportive. You yeah. know, they it, they vacated the police station. It's night us. and day, ver like shooting in a borough in the city versus shooting in Millinock at Maine. It's just it's totally night and day. We they were so excited to be a part of something that there was they opened their doors. I mean, we we got into the schools, we got into the hospitals, we got. The bus, they gave us a bus, they gave us a truck that we flip over and bash. And it's just like, they, uh, it was, they, they, were, they were great. They were like immensely supportive. And in some ways that's the subtext. I mean, that we the, couldn't have made the film without the people of Millinocket and Lincoln in that area. Um, and they were hyper aware that we were there. Um, I think they were just excited. Also baffled, they were sort of completely confused as to why we were up in Millinocket, Maine, and chose that city to shoot a film there, which was, was sort of yeah. We, we were also somewhat baffled once we started making it. Why are we here? Uh, congratulations, very nice film. 
my question is, uh, how did you get the inspiration for this particular film? And also, the budget was any constraint before when you ins uh, have incepted the film? Oh, oh, the, yeah. I mean, yeah. The film, the film was in, in, inspired by and written for this particular town. So, uh, I I traveled there many times and met with people and research did all my research there and tried to write there as much as I could. Kyle and I would go up up and you know back and forth from there from New York uh, for a few years, developing the project and meeting with people and learning and writing and 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 exploring. Um, so it was, you know, there was always, it was always this place. And in fact, uh, it does play into the budget a little bit because when you make a very low budget movie like we did, uh, a lot of times, you know, people want you to shoot in certain states with tax incentives and Maine has none of that. Maine has no infrastructure. It has no, like the film office wasn't even open. It was closed. It was one woman and she quit and it was, then it was just not there anymore. There was no, there just didn't exist. So there's literally nothing, there's no support in Maine and it's also, you know, we were, I don't know, like we were about five hours north from the border with New Hampshire. So basically the, there is no close town or city. There's nothing, there's nothing close. I mean, there's no way to get equipment and, and people. So, you know, it was a lot of people were like, why, like I, this is so confusing. Why would just, you know, fake it and shoot it in New York and get the tax credit and then you can like shuttle people back and forth from the city. But it was always, very important to me to um, to shoot in this specific place, and I think that you know what we've heard from uh, the actors today is is that that really helped and that you can feel it and and it, and it helped the performances and it helped the look of the movie and there's just something uh, authentic about it that I think when you watch the movie that really resonates that is 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 kind of um, it's intangible, you know. the 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 idea to shoot there was really uh, had an intangible quality. Then, and and I always wanted, I always stuck to that, and and we we always stuck to that. And I think in the end, people actually found that endearing. And, yeah, I and, think you can. I think it's it makes it into the movie. I think it sort of permeates the experience that it's like that we were there, and it. I don't know. I think it also sets the tone for the production that there. It, it sort of emphasizes the. Uh, the importance of authenticity. It's like we weren't going to try to cheat it for New York. You know, there, it, it was important to do it in the town that it was written for, and it, I think that sort of is, is a bit of a commitment to authenticity to, to everyone's credit. And I think that I think that sort of it's hard to quantify, but I think that does make a big difference. It's not as easy to say as like, oh, the tax credit. That's a good reason to shoot in New York. There's other there's other like intangibles. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. That's going to do it for tonight. The film is called Bluebird. Please join me in thanking our panel once again for being here. And thank you guys for being such a great audience. <laughs>